Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's your boy, Big Cinnamon. Some of you may know me as Keith Pfeiffer. Bring you here, Big Cinnamon Sunday Hour. Uh, for all those our regular fans, don't worry. The band is getting back together here soon. Um, but in addition to uh, that hour episode that we have with the, the Goose and the Coach and myself, I'm also going to be uh, bringing to you here a uh, one-hour episode where we're going to be looking at sports in a different light. Um, over the last 10 years, there's have been a lot of factors that have been changing the landscape of sports. This is culture, politics, technology, business, and, and many more. So with the Big C's Power Hour here on Sunday morning, we'll be looking to all these things, uh, looking how they're changing the sports world from how we're consuming uh, the sports to how we're looking at players differently and everything kind of under that umbrella. So uh, that's the intro to this new uh, Big Cinnamon's Power Hour that we got here on Sunday. We're going to start the show right now. Thank you. So, for the Big Cinnamon Spice Hour, I don't know, I felt like that. Big Cinnamon's Red Hot Hour, Big Cinnamon's Hot Seat, Big Cinnamon Challenge Hour. Anyway, I'm still working on the title here. But anyway, I want to first thank you, my sponsor here. Uh, This hour is brought to you by Papa Bear's Kind of Healthy Nut Butter out of Santa Monica, California. Now, if you haven't tried this yet, you absolutely need to do yourself a favor and go get some nut butter here. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's pe- for people like me that want to be kind of healthy, but also appreciate, you know, the little indulgence in life. You know, it's like going to the gym, but like taking the elevator up to the third floor. It's wild. Um, it's free range, wild cut nut butters. They're absolutely the best. They make this churro butter that is a pecan base. It's absolutely ridiculous. So if you are in the office or enjoy trying something new, be the hero. Get yourself uh, some Papa Bear's nut butter. Again, it's free range. It's cage-free. It's wildly cut nut butter here. Check them out online at ilovepapabear.com or on Twitter and Instagram at eatpapabears. Use the promo code ilovepapabears for 10% off all orders. I promise it's the best decision you'll make this month or even this year. So I want to give a shout out to Papa Bears. Thanks for making this hour come true. Um, so to start the show, I, I, you know, for me personally, I, I, there are a lot of different avenues or, or routes or, or different directions this first episode could take. But uh, for me, it was important to kind of get a foundation or uh, get a topic here that we'll be able to reference back for many, uh, many times during the, the big cinnamon's power hour here. So the first topic of the show uh, that I want to sit down with is, is kind of how technology and, and more specifically how social media is changing the way we consume sports and view athletes. Um, this is most, a most recent phenomenon that when thinking about it probably has really only developed over 10 years. I, um, I, I saw a little Facebook or, or a little uh, Twitter document here of kind of showing all these athletes first tweets and, you know, a lot of it is 2008, 2009, kind of in that range. So the whole idea of athletes using social media to directly connect with their fan base and kind of build a brand has, uh, has been, has kind of been a recent phenomenon. Uh, You know, I think uh, Twitter was developed in like, I think 06, you know, and and from there, things have took off with the uh, evolution of smartphones and things of that nature. So 
kind of get into the, the smartphone, I was personally wanted to take a look back and kind of understand, well, when did, when did I start really becoming all consumed in the, the sports culture, the sports world? Um, and, and for me, it wasn't really until I think it was 2010 when I got the iPhone 4. And then I think shortly after that, um, LTE or the upgrade from 3G was really introduced that things became far too accessible and that that knowledge and updates and, and news was almost coming at you 24-7 at a very rapid pace. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, when I originally got the uh, the iPhone, I, uh, I used to get in trouble here by, uh, by, you know, an ex associate we'll call her or whatnot for always being on my phone. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. I was always on Twitter. Like I could Facebook, I could watch and, 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 uh, read ESPN articles year round. And, you know, I think in 2010, this, uh, this turn really, uh, what are you doing, Sarah? Oh, Sarah lost her glasses. All right. Thank you. Do you mind? Okay. Anyway, um, anyway, in 2010, there really became a, a turn here for, for kind of media 24-7. So what we're seeing now, um, you know, over the last 10, 10 years, I cannot imagine uh, – that if I wanted to reach out and tweet at an athlete or try to connect with an athlete, I could do that. I mean, um, I feel like, you know, I hate Dwight Howard and I feel, but I feel like if I wanted to go out, I would never do this, but I probably actually never mind. I probably have done it, but if I wanted to go out and tweet at, uh, tweet at or, or message Dwight Howard is far more accessible. It is today's time than it was 10, five, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, all these athletes, are now uh, basically at our fingertips and, and the accessibility to these stars and, and knowing these stars on a whole different level is much more now than it was, it was um, these years ago. So, and uh, at the same resort, these, these uh, with social media, what, with the um, evolution of the phone, um, you know, we're, we everybody has the ability now to create TMZ articles at the click of a button in their pocket. Um, you know these players are getting. You know, remember when uh, Okafor punched a fan outside of TD Garden? I believe it was two years ago. I mean, I have a feeling there's a lot more of that shit and shenanigans going on. You know, 15 years ago, but all of it would be would be hearsay and it would be easier for teams to kind of sweep it under the rug, right? It was so much easier for athletes to kind of get away with being scumbags per se, if you wanted to, than it is now. But Okafor punches that guy outside of TD garden and within five seconds, it's on social media. It becomes an ESPN story and it becomes something that, that Philadelphia media has been talking about for, you know, three or four weeks. And it's like a story that would, it became a story that never end. You know, there weren't cameras set up for this. There weren't, but people have phones now. People have cameras, you know, the kind of evolution of the iPhone, the kind of evolution of that at any given time, you can post anything out there in the internet has really changed a lot of ways that we're viewing and, and consuming professional sports, professional athletes and everything under that. Uh, that umbrella. Um, and and on, on the same token, I get there's other side too. You know, what we're seeing now in social media and kind of kind of this technology landscape is like athletes now can post directly and start building their own brand. Um, a lot of, you know, in the business world, advertising has become so segmented, right, that, that advertisers are trying to reach out to different avenues to get their brand out, to get their advertising out and things kind of under that umbrella. So athletes now are, are, are taking this and kind of running with it. So, you know, Nike, for instance, like we hate LeBron James, like as a culture, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but as a culture, we hate LeBron James because you go on Instagram or, or Facebook and he's doing those stupid ass videos in the gym, you know, the type of videos that, Curry was making fun of uh, 
couple, you know, at that wedding a couple weeks ago, right? But what we fail to realize is that LeBron James has a lifelong contract with Nike, right? So he's, you know, it's part of his brand. I personally don't agree with the brand of being like an absolute clown in the gym, but he's getting money to make sure that he's always in, in your, your, I guess, in your head or, or he's getting paid to make sure that his brand is always popular within you. Right. So, and, and you're seeing this across the board with all athletes, pretty much all everywhere. You get a small following, you know, and you're able to almost cash in on brand awareness or cash in on advertising with the social media. The, um, and, and it's absolutely, it's honestly, it's absolutely kind of insane a little bit about it. You know, so we're, we're in this technology air where we're, we're totally viewing things differently. We're, we're totally consuming the product and these athletes in a different manner. I mean, you know, even back in early 2000s, it was either your local, it was your local media, it was your local newspaper, or it was ESPN or one of these national brands to, were really your only athletes now to consume, to consume these, these athletes. Now, what, you know, now these, these athletes can either go directly to you, they can go on Twitter or they can go on Facebook or Instagram and post directly what's going on to you or along with this kind of the development of technology and social media, we're seeing many more blogs and and podcasts and, and everything under that umbrella that really has, has changed the way consumer or the athletes can come to us. So, you know, with that being said, you know, JJ Redick, you know, for those don't know, I'm using a lot of, a lot of Philly stuff because that's what I'm familiar with. If you guys watch, or listen to the regular podcast, you kind of would know that. But, um, but for instance, you know, JJ Reddick has a, his own podcast where he can, he gave a step-by-step through free agency for him, you know, so it's coming out of his mouth. He doesn't need a national reporter. He doesn't need a beat writer. Now he can literally go on to the computer. What I'm doing now, you know, talk with, um, talk, talk with another co-host or whatnot and really directly come to the market and talk about what happened at free agency. We don't need any type of inter- interpretation. He doesn't have to worry about anybody skewing his words. You know, he can say exactly what he wanted to say and come to market. And, and it's all kind of based on this phenomenon of how basically the evolution of the phone ha- has brought in a demand for social media contact like Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and face Facebook. And, and kind of how our phones are all set up to that, that type of demand so that we can, we can look and watch stuff right on our phones, that we can, we can post videos right from our phone that we have now. I mean, I think the first digital camera I got was like a Fujifilm. I think it was like eight megabit, like, yeah, megapixels, right? I think, I don't even know what's on the phone now. I think it's like 13 or 14 now. So like just the quality of the pictures and, and the way we can take pictures now and post pictures and kind of be involved in everybody's life is so much more accessible, I want to say, because of the evolution of technology, phones, and social media culture in general. And, um, you know, with, you know, without dare to say this, but a lot of this now is, is millennials, and Generation Zs now are, are actually making decisions. You know, there's no no longer kind of a figment of imagination that these millennials are going to be grow up. These millennials are here, right? Almost too much, you know. So now we have millennials making decisions. We have millennials watching, consuming sports completely different because they have now grown up and have, have kind of developed and evolved with the technology rather than, you know, you have older demographic that's trying to learn and catch on. So now, now what we do with, with social media technology, you have millennials coming up, they're making decisions, they're in total way, different ways of watching sports. You know, I could never imagine my dad or my mom, you know, 
if, if they had a choice, go out to watch an Eagles game rather than sit at home, right? Like it just, you know, they, they want their, they want their personal space. They, they want to yell at the TV, you know, you know, they, they like to be in the comfort of their home while watching the Eagles. But now millennials are getting older and, and we're consuming the product and that's not, they want to go out. They want to watch it with their friends at the sports bars or things of that nature. They want to get a group together to watch the game. So, you know, what we're seeing is these millennials have a, just a different value set uh, of social media about consuming the product that is, is really changing the landscape of sports. And in, in some ways now, now professional organization and athletes are either trying to capitalize on this or catch up. And develop a product now that that really directly connects with them. So I mean, there there are a lot of there are a lot of things going on here with, with how technology and more specifically how social media is changing the way we consume, we look at sports, and, and really changing the behaviors of some of these sports leagues to kind of access or use this millennial here to grow um, to grow the sport. So, you know, so, and if we're looking at just like kind of applications or, or ramifications of this, like that we can use examples of the today right now, you know, yeah, the first example is, you know, in my opinion, the NBA in, in, in America is the most future sports or future proof sports organization out there. You know, a lot of their highlights and gifts are meant for like the Twitter, Instagram world where they're, they're, they're quick three, four second highlights, you know, um, and you can compile it together at the same time. I think they have the, the most loose, like social media restrictions of all the other professional sports. Right. So, so if you, you can make videos and you can make highlight packages and put them together and, and you can send that out and the NBA doesn't take them down. They allow um, user content, user created content to really, really help grow their game. I mean, that's something that MLB I think is the worst with it and they probably need it the most, but you can't post anything from the MLB without, you know, getting that shit shut down. Uh, the NFL, it's, it's okay, but they, they still, they still restrict a lot of stuff. Um, and same with hockey. So, you know, I think this is going to change moving forward just because I think it's going to have to change. But, but one reason or what we're seeing right now within professional sports or especially the NBA is that there is, there is a huge demand for quick content, direct connection with the players and teams, whatnot. I mean, NBA Twitter is fine. I mean, anybody just take a couple of minutes and look at it. But the, the official Twitter pages of some of these teams, the Kings have a great Twitter. The Trailblazers have a great Twitter. I think the Mavericks have a great Twitter. Of course, the Sixers have a, a great Twitter. I mean, the NBA is embracing the shift towards a more quick attention span, social media kind of kind of platform than any of the, the other sports. And I think that trend is only going to grow and I, I feel like in order for sports to grow further or, or catch a bigger slice of the pie, they're going to need to embrace this and they're going to have to get comfortable with allowing their content to go out and have their content and, and product be kind of user created for highlights and whatnot to help grow the product. Because the more you restrict it, the less, the less people are going to consume it. So I, it's just an interesting take. And, um, and, and for me, you know, this kind of segues into, you know, another reason why I think the NBA is, is, is the best future-proof organization out there when it comes uh, to this is that, you know, five years ago, I could never imagine the summer leagues being as popular as, as they were, right? The NBA, the NBA summer leagues are are, are crazy. They're, they're, they're picking up ESPN. They're, the highlights are just as much as baseball, which I don't think that's a great thing for baseball, but, but, but NBA summer leagues are, it, it, it's, 
it's shitty basketball, but it's a phenomenal product, right? Because what, what I think the NBA has been doing great at is kind of promoting these young athletes and these young basketball players before they got into the league, right? So I think, I think you know, the one-and-done culture has a little bit to do with it. But, but we, we, are following, we are following these kids now through college. They're in the college career, which is pretty much one year now for the top guys, right? And we know these guys before the NBA draft, right? And we're constantly, uh, we're constantly, you know, we're constantly consuming and, and you know, looking at their the YouTube highlights from their year. And, and I feel like, you know, the discussions about draft is really, really apparent in the NBA more than any other league. I mean, with the NBA, you have. Again, it's the shortest draft of all the major sports. It's two rounds of 60 picks. You can get it done in three hours. Again, fits the mold a little bit of how social media has, has really changed our attention spans a little bit, right? So you have 60 picks. You have like three hours. And usually a lot of these name guys that we're debating about, at least for the lottery picks or the first 15 picks, we know because we've been watching them for their whole college career and whatnot. So they build up the hype with these players. There's a huge discussion of it. They get drafted, and then the NBA doesn't waste any more time, and then the summer leagues start like one or two weeks later, right? So we have an interest. We were, have been following these guys now for two or three months. We've been, we've been digging into if they're going to be a great fit for our team or whatnot. Then they get drafted. Then we act to see, the, to see them play in an NBA uniform, right? So we're, we're able to follow these guys much more easily, and, and these NBA players are much more accessible to us, which kind of fits this mold than, for instance, MLB, right? Because, you know, for instance, the MLB draft, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I could name you anybody in the top 10, right? Because you're talking about a lot of 18 to 19-year-old kids. You do have a sprinkle of college guys in there, right? But even when they get drafted, you don't know if they're staying at their college or if they're going or, or once they do join the team, you know, they disappear for like three or four years, right? I mean, except for the really good ones, most uh, of those, those drafted baseball players kind of disappear and fade away. So we can't really follow them. And, and the minor league system isn't really all too accessible for us, right? Nor does anybody want to watch really – go out and watch minor league baseball. So, so, you know, MLB right now was struggling to kind of build a brand, build awareness with a lot of their young guys because it's, they're not as accessible to us as the NBA. Um, I mean, there's no reason why Mike Trout or Bryce Hopper shouldn't be top five in popularity in, in this country. The, the guys are phenomenal athletes. They're phenomenal talents that we really haven't seen all too much in the MLB recently. But again, it comes to the accessibility. Like it's not, it's not kind of fit in that social media millennial mold where, where it's quick highlights, you know, you know, and because of that, I think the MLB is struggling just because they, they can't have that popularity to kind of grow and whatnot. So I think you have two different two different organizations here that are going in two different trajectories, right? You know, I think that the the NBA uh, uh, is going to continue to grow, where the MLBs continue to struggle. I mean, the MLB right now is having major debates on because their games are too long. I mean, it's completely the, the opposite of what the market and and kind of what the technological trends are right now at the moment, right? So, you know, you know, nobody wants to sit through four hours of four hours of boring baseball. I mean, it's tough. And I'm a Phillies fan. Like I, I, I haven't watched a lot of baseball at all this year. You know, because number one, I'm not a fair weather fan. But like, I, I'm not in the local Philly market, so it's not as easy for me to watch the 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 Philly games, right? I don't want to watch shitty baseball. So like, it just. You know, I'm not consuming the product, right? And I think, I think what we're seeing as well is that where the NBA is grown, grown and grown and grown and popular when it comes on social media and, and accessibility and things under that umbrella, 
and the MLB is kind of is kind of going on a downward slope. I, I think that we're also seeing major trends of kind of how soccer now is kind of trying to fill up that space. Um, so over, I mean, personally, what really started to to kick the the trend is when NBC bought the rights to the Premier League over in England, right? I don't know if the growth in soccer in America is going to be it's going to be from the MLS or the domestic product. I, I, it's still like a retirement league for your good athletes. And again, when it comes to accessibility and the knowledge of some of these, these players that are in the league, it's just, it's hard. Like, you know, you're, you you don't, I I watch an MLS game. I know the, the, the names that come over from Europe, but I don't know, except if they're on our men's national team, I really don't know any of these players. I think that MLS could be a great tool to grow kind of like the CONCACAF or kind of the, the whole kind of North American soccer quality in general. But I, I, I think the growth in the soccer market or the football market, what, you know, whatever the hell you want to say it, um, is, is coming from the international standpoint, Right with your Premier League, with, with your La Liga when you have Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, the Bundesliga I think is on Fox now and, and Bayern Munich is, is a big culture or a big brand across the world. And, and for some, you know, you know, in some regards, even the, uh, the Italy product with um, Serie A, you have some big squads like Inter Milan and AC Milan and Roma and some of these, the, um, these brands as well, but why, why I believe soccer is growing and kind of fit into that social media and, and, and because of the social media technology curve is that when you're watching a soccer game, you know, it's going to be two hours, right? If it starts at a nine, you know, it's going to be done by 11, right? If it's, you know, if it starts at 12, it's done by two. Number one, it fits almost the culture and the millennial shift that we have now is that we, you know, we want sh- shorter, shorter periods of time, shorter activities, shorter, shorter, pretty much everything. Um, and you, you have, you have players that you can follow, right? Cristiano Ronaldo is a huge brand and name even here in America, right? We, if he would walk down the street, we would know who he is. If Messi walked down the street here in America, we would know who he is, right? I don't know if it's the same for, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, if he would walk in London, you know, or you could even argue some of your, I mean, I don't know how well known Tom Brady would be. I mean, Tom Brady is a huge because of Giselle. So maybe that's a bad example. Um, and he's very handsome. He's got, I hate Tom Brady. He's just so damn perfect. Not to go on a little tyrant here, but I hate Tom Brady. Everything about him. I hate. He's so perfect though. He's so pretty. He's handsome. He's dating a supermodel. He has five Super Bowl rings. God, he's living the life. Anyway, but anyway, it you know, I, I lost my train of thought. I don't even know where to begin anymore. I got I just got distracted by Tom Brady's handsomeness. But uh, <laughs> um, but you know, talking about the soccer culture here, you got two hours. You have name brands, and now more than ever is very accessible, right? On, on on Twitter, I'm a big Arsenal fan. I, I must be addicted to losing or, or coming in fourth place because I, I'm everything Philadelphia and Arsenal. So I don't know what it's really like to have championship runs or championship teams. But I can follow Arsenal blog writers and Arsenal beat writers and all, all this stuff now because of social media that I didn't have 10 years ago. So if I want to follow a team now, it's so easy for me to follow a team. I, I, I follow them on Twitter. I read the articles coming over from the UK. You know, I can watch the games now on, on NBC Sports and, and their app, which is great. The game is is so much more accessible to me, even coming across the pond than even if it was if I wanted to go out and buy like a Phillies game or watch a Phillies game, right? So it's accessible. The games are quick. And, you know, the it's – for my money, they're entertaining. It's an entertaining two hours. You know, even, you know, the Arsenal game on Friday, there were seven goals scored, right? 
you can go to MLB games, waste three and a half hours for a one nothing game, and you're like, ah, you know, I just waste a lot of time, and I spent ten dollars on a beer, you know. For Arsenal game, you know, two hours there was, you know, our defense is so shitty anyway that we're gonna give up goals, so it's gonna be entertaining, you know, four seven goals back and forth the whole game. It's it's kind of fitting the mold a little bit better because of social media and technology, right? You know, the highlights that you get from soccer, those those goals, right? They fit in six or seven second little little gifts or gifs kind of window, right? You know, you can it's easy to go out and, and find highlights. The highlights are more um you know, more social media friendly than let's say the MLB highlights, right? You know, a guy hits the ball hard. It goes out of the park. Yay. You know, it's just like, you know, we've seen that before, right? And, and for me, I can't really I can't really appreciate the difference between, uh, you know, a 350-foot home run and a 450-foot home run on my phone. You know, it, it's just I can appreciate a great, great defensive play, right, like a great catch or whatnot, but I just – I think for many people, and especially this millennial culture now that's growing up and making decisions of where they spend their time and what they watch and what they consume, I just, I just don't think the MLB has enough in the tank to really future-proof itself going forward. Um, you know, so I don't know if you know our number here is six four six seven eight seven eight five three six. If if you have any uh, ideas about that call in. I would love to get your take, but for me personally, that, that's, um, that's what I kind of think is going to happen or the trajectories of these two sports. That's where I kind of feel like it is right now. So if you have any, um, any comments about that, please let me know, but, um, kind of, kind of go back though, um, on, you know, what we're consuming now, and how it's kind of shaping and shifting the, the what the sports industry and the sports business all together. Um, one of the things that's struggling is, is is are these slower kind of more of an old man sport? I would say you know you know there are a couple of sports now that are are rapidly growing in average age of their viewers, and and that's golf, and that's baseball, and that's NASCAR. And, and I, NASCAR is a little bit of reach. I understand NASCAR, you know, NASCAR isn't really sports. So we'll just, we'll just stay on golf and baseball though, you know, and, and in both these sports, you know, there is a lot of good young talent in it. So it's still crazy for me that there, you have, a, a, you have some young talent, but you, you're still not getting young viewers. Right. But again, these are, these are events, you know, that are taking three, you know, three to four and or more hours to complete. I don't think you're, you're going to appeal to many, many of the new generations because of this length of time. You know, um, you know, the, these, these sports are struggling very much to catch a younger demographic. And, and, and it's, and I think it's much harder for golf and baseball rather than, you know, football and basketball to kind of make highlights that kind of wow you per se, right? Like I, I play golf or I play something that looks like golf. I hit a little round ball. It's on a golf course. I can't really say my game is golf, but you know, I have fun out there and break some clubs time to time. And, you know, it, I, I attempt to play golf. Let's put it that way. But even, even as a golf watcher or a golf player, and I, I do watch golf, it's hard to really appreciate some of these these highlights or gifts like on social media and, and things of that nature because you know a long putt I can appreciate a long putt but it really is a very uneventful highlight right oh wow the ball is rolling it's rolling it's rolling oh it it misses oh it goes in the hole oh the ball and it, it they all look the same all putts look the same right. They're all rolling and rolling. Oh, it misses. Oh, it goes in the What a beautiful putt. You know, a little golf clap all over the place. I mean, it's the same highlight, right? You know, Dustin Johnson is bombing the ball like 400 yards. I think he, he, he had a, a drive of 
not 400 yards, like it was like 380 or something last week. And cool, I can appreciate that. But you can't really make a highlight out of a you know 380-yard drive. You know, oh, he hits the ball. The ball is in the air. The ball hits the ground. What a beautiful shot. Right? Like, yeah, it, it's hard. It's, it's just it's much harder for golf and baseball to come up with highlights and kind of fit into the social media culture now because kind of all the highlights look the same, right? Whereas if I'm watching an NBA highlight, I know what Russell Westbrook is doing cannot be mimicked by anybody. Like, I know, like, he's the only one in the world that can do what he does. When I'm watching Curry shoot the basketball and, and does his insane shit before he shoots, I know he's the only one. It looks completely different. Every NBA player kind of looks completely different within their highlights. Their highlights, their highlights will have a different feel to it. They'll have, you know, it, I know that I'm not seeing the same thing twice. Whereas with hockey, I mean, with golf and baseball, you know, all the highlights are pretty much the same. So, you know, that's one reason why I think, you know, for golf, at least the waste management, you know, that the, the 16th hole, I think is out in Phoenix, right. Where they call it the stadium course where there's like 220, you know, thousand people around this par three. Right. And it's a huge spectacle. It's a huge, and everybody wants a hole in one because then it, the place goes, the, the place goes wild. Right. But if you take that stadium away from that 16th hole, it's just another hole. You know, I, I think golf needs more of that like stadium party type of atmospheres around certain events and procedures. That's why I think the Ryder cup is always, always must see television for pretty much any sports fan, just because now you have a team based competition. You have like us against the world or, I mean, it's, it's Europe, but I'm just saying us against the world, you know, you have the, the, you have a little bit of a rowdier crowd. And, and I know for a fact that my dad's going to hate that I'm saying this stuff because he's like, he's very old school, you know, type of guy. And I think most of your, your 40, 50 plus kind of crowd will not really necessarily agree with, with what I'm saying right now, but in order, in order to start capturing, capturing a younger demographic, you, you'll need more spectacle, and event type atmospheres that you get at the 16th, uh, the 16th hole at waste management or, you know, the Ryder cup or kind of a team based competition. That's fun. I think that's what that will capture. You can, you can make highlights for that because, you know, now it's a back and forth and now you have to make your shot to get the point. And if you don't, then, then the other team wins. I, for me and for my money's worth, golf needs to be kind of kind of trying to do things to booster that type of culture and those type of environment and feels. Um, and, and I'm getting some comments here about, you know, the NFL. I haven't been touching much on the NFL and for a couple of reasons, I haven't, I haven't really touched on the NFL often too about social media and, and one of them is that the NFL is a monster. Like the, I mean, the last report I, I think I saw is like the NFL generates seven billion dollars every season, and the next closest is MLB. I think with two billion. I think that report was like two from like 2013. So I think that was before the the NBA contracts or the, the NBA TV rights kind of came up and whatnot. But you know, the NFL is a monster, and you know, with social media, I feel like you know, I don't know, the NFL, the, the NFL is okay, I think, future-proof-wise. It's big enough, right? And everybody watches, right? You know, you have a huge gambling um, gambling culture with NFL that's exciting for a lot of people. And this is either with your lines or your DraftKings or your fantasy footballs. Um, the the game. The gambling culture is huge with the NFL, and I think that's one reason why it's probably more future-proof, like it's future-proof in that sense. Because, you know, I, I feel personally it's much more, it's, it's easier to have fun, 
you know, betting on an NFL game than you would like an NBA game or an MLB game or a hockey game. Like the line, the lines are pretty, the lines for football are the most fun. And, and I think technology, social media kind of hypes us up where we can debate now with our friends about the lines or, or what fantasy football players going off or kind of match up all together. But, you know, for me, the, the NFL is more future proof because of gambling than it is because of its social media or kind of the attention span of millennials. Right. I, uh, and that's why I really haven't touched much on the NFL. Um, now I do have to, I am nervous a little bit with the NFL because of this concu- the concussion talk that has recently begun, I don't know what type. I, I, I fear that that the talent pool for the NFL might start to drop. I don't know. I'm not convinced that it will, but there there might be some some athletes or some parents that hold their their athletic sons and daughters or sons away from football and maybe push other sports such as soccer and basketball and, and things of that nature. So we'll see. I, um, we'll see. Um, we'll see where that goes over, I guess, the next 10 to 15 years. Um, I personally, I mean, if my, my kid wants to play football. I would love for him to play football. But um, I, I think the, the, the future of the NFL is, is more based on, the talent pool, uh, more more based on the talent pool than it would be a type of any type of social media presence or kind of highlights or things of that nature. <clears throat> and yes, I know, I know I could have athletic daughters, but I'm not going to let my athletic daughter play football. Sarah, thank you for the comment. That's why I held back. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I mean, I'm coming up, I mean, if you're still with me, it's been 42 minutes since uh, you start listening to my sparkling voice, and I, I appreciate uh, very much for sticking with me here. So, just kind of to wrap, I'm going to start trying to wrap this up here, um, and, and when I, w- I was doing some research here, and kind of to, to re-emphasize this uh, kind of this um, kind of highlight here. I, I took um, I took a look at the ten most popular athletes in the world. You know, um, you know, and, and just to kind of see what what the trend what the trend is for these athletes and kind of what sports are included and all that fun stuff. So I'm going to read you this list was from ESPN. I think um, like I think it was last summer. A lot of people hated this list, but I think it, it, it tells a pretty good story here. So of the 10 most popular athletes in the world, here they are. Ronaldo, LeBron, Messi, Federal, Federer, Federer, the, the tennis player, Mickelson, Neymar, Usain Bolt, Kevin Durant, uh, Raphael Nadal, and Tiger Woods. So those are your 10 most popular athletes in the world. You notice the trend? All these guys play in sports where, where either they promote individualists or individualism. Is that a word? I think I should look up at that word. But all, all these guys play in sports where they don't need to wear a hat or a helmet or whatever if they don't want to, right? You know, their brand is their face. You know, when we watch them play, there's nothing shielding us from actually no seeing who it is and recognize them by their face, right? You know, Ronaldo, LeBron, Messi, Federal, Mickelson, Neymar, Bolt, you know, these, these guys, these guys have a brand and their brand is themselves and promoting themselves, right? You don't have any, you know, for me, you don't have any football players in there because if, when you're watching them play, they have a helmet on. You can't see who they are. The only thing, the only reason we now know who they are is, is by a number right on the back of the jersey and and they're saying they're ones, you know or they're saying they're you know if two receivers went out that have kind of the same body frame and 
switch the jerseys and the name on the back, it would be hard for us to tell the difference, right? Because we can't see their face because they have helmets on. You know, there's no MLB guys on there because they're at bat, they're wearing a helmet, they're in the field, they're wearing a, their hat, maybe some sunglasses, eye black. They really, they don't have that, that social media brand or that social media, um, social media awareness that, that these top 10 athletes have. You know, you have a mix of individual sports such as tennis and golf and track and field. And you have a mix of, of team-based sports such as, you know, soccer. I think soccer and uh, basketball are, are the two team-based sports here. But both those sports, <coughs> excuse me, relatively relatively unexpected to start picking up and playing, right? You need a pair of shoes or a pair of cleats. You don't need any type of equipment, just your body, right? You don't need a helmet. You know, you, you people actually get to look at you and see you rather than have to look through a series of helmets. And for me, um, the sports that allow their players to have this type of recognition prom- and promote individuality are, are the sports I feel that are most future-proof here moving forward with social media technology and a new way that we consume sports and athletics. I mean, and, and this also now is is kind of bucking a trend now when it comes from younger people actually watching consuming the sports. For me, it was it was always Philly, right? I'm a I'm a Phillies, I'm a Flyers, I'm Sixers, I'm an Eagles fan, right? That's just what I grew up with, you know. And most of these, <clears throat> and when you're growing up you know, you have your own individual market. So I always, always had access to these games, right? The, the, the national product wasn't, wasn't as big nor as important to me as it was my, my own individual teams. But now what has happened because of social media, because of, of individuals that can start building their own brand is that, you know, a younger, a younger generation now can pick and choose the different athletes that they want to follow rather than teams. So, you know, you know, we would we used to call them bandwagons back in the day. You know, if you like the Yankees and the Cowboys and the Bulls and and I don't know a good hockey team back then, whatever team Wayne Gretzky was on, right? We 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 would call them bandwagons. But now I, I feel like people start following teams of their favorite player, right? So they, they like I don't agree with it, but a person can like Russell Wilson. And Odell, you know Odell Beckham Jr. Right? They those could be his two or hers two favorite players to watch, so they will follow those two teams. Um, same with basketball. You know, it, it's completely okay for a person to like, you know, Westbrook and, and like um, Damian Litter, Right? Like th- those are those are your two favorite players. It's easy to follow now because of the social media. Right? And, and there's really it's really changing how how you're starting to consume products, right? You now need a national brand. You need and you need brand awareness. You need people to know who you are. And the these pop these sports leagues have need to you know need to almost build this up, right? And that's going back. That's one reason why the NFL grew to as big as it was because the NFL knew that you could. Br- build the league and build awareness by having national brands, right? The Cowboys, I hate the Cowboys, but they blew up the Cowboys so much in that 90s period that you have Cowboys fans that will watch at every corner of the U.S., right, that are Cowboys fans because the NFL saw the value in having these national brands such as the Cowboys and the 49ers and the Packers and the Steelers, right? These are national brands that the NFL has blown up. I think the trend now is going instead of national team brands, you're, you're getting national individual brands. And now people are following players because they're so much more accessible now. So I think that's, that's going to be the new trend going forward is these leagues kind of blowing up individual individuals rather than teams, because that's what the consumer wants. That's what, that's how we're starting to consume the product is look at, you know, 
individual players rather than individual teams. You know, that's, you know, that's why I think also soccer will grow in the sport as well, because we get to, we, we're following some of the best, right? You know, you, Ronaldo and Messi are the big two, but there are fantastic soccer players playing in all five leagues that have their individual brand and that are kind of blown up as well. So it's, it's much, it's much different now in 2017 than it was in 2000 or 1990 or whatnot. Social media has allowed us as fans to almost feel, you know, directly involved with the player or, or people. They're, they're no longer these like figments of like, hierarchy where like these are kings and queens now that we can never be able to touch or interact with you know a lot of these athletes now through social media are finding their own outlets um of of people they want to talk to i mean just look at barstool sports and how that kind of blew up right now there's professional athletes that are actually seeking out these guys to talk with and whatnot because you know they enjoy the product they have a great brand and presence through social media and the internet and whatnot and a lot of these players just like what they're doing. So they want to like either hang out with them or kind of, you know, work with them to, you know, do like new, you know, do news or podcasts or interviews and things of that, na- that nature. So technology, the way the, the things that are accessible to us now, more than so five, 10, 15 years ago, the way we're interacting, all these, all these things are kind of put together here in order and are changing the landscape of sports. So I think I'm going to wrap it up here. There's a, a few more notes and things I want to touch upon, but I think, um, I think there will be a better fit for episodes to come. Uh, overall, I want to, I want to thank everybody here for listening to me for the big cinnamons power hour, big Cinnamon Sunday Hour, Big Cinnamons. I don't even know what you want to call it. Um, want to thank my sponsor, Papa Bears. Again, people, follow them. Uh, go to the website, ilovepapabears.com or Instagram. I think Instagram at Eat Papa Bears as well. I, I thank them very much for making this happen. Um, and yeah, get, tweet at me or get at me and let me know what your thoughts. Uh, my, my Twitter handle is at the real MKP. So if you have any comments or you want to have more uh, on to develop this conversation any further, let me know. I hope you all like the show. I, uh, this is the first one. I was a little nervous, uh, but hopefully oh, as, um, as more experience comes around, we'll, I'll be able to interact and, and do some cooler things here to kind of have a more lively show. But without, without further ado, have a great rest of your Sunday. Try to avoid those Sunday scaries as much as possible. We have Game of Thrones tonight. Shit is about to go down. And uh, be classy, everybody. Thank you.